Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Kendra Douglas from KSN in Wichita, the NBC affiliate. Got a lot to talk about with Kendra, the uh, Raleigh, North Carolina native set to join us. We'll uh, get to know Kendra and also talk some Chiefs and some Royals and other things with her. And as she shares some uh, great insight uh, on Devontae Graham uh, as well from Raleigh and everything. So we'll touch on that, among other things, uh, coming up in uh, just a little while from right now. Thomas Bridges joins me as always. And uh, TB, I did some TV over the weekend for uh, 41 Action News in Kansas City, but I'm still a man of the people. I still find my way back to this podcast each and every week because I'm here to serve you, the folks. And so it is uh, as always good to be on. But uh, I, I won't lie, I do enjoy the, the TV time just a little bit. Oh, no, you got to. Even if it's your five minutes of fame, you got to get on there and show out for BA. Right? Yeah. Uh, right. Put put on for my city. Is that what, it's, what they say, what the kids say? I forget what, is that, uh, <laughs> God, we're white. Um, <laughs> Aren't we? <laughs> young Jeezy, put on for my city. That's it, yes, yes. I remember that song in uh, in high school. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we are too white. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But uh, it was good to do a little TV this week, but uh, glad to be with you guys today and uh, so much for us to cover. But I want to mention this off the top real quick. Tom, did, did you ever read ESP in the magazine growing up? I did. My dad uh, was in it one time. That's right. I, I forgot he was. Yeah. Yeah, he was. We still have that issue somewhere. Well, I did. Not as much as Sports Illustrated, but I did read ESPN as well. You, you probably should frame that issue of some sorts because ESPN Magazine is about to become an antique. They, they announced this week that uh, ESPN the Magazine is going out of business. I mean, just print in general is kind of having a hard time. Uh, I mean, Sports Illustrated went from having the magazine covers – to having an ad on the front, and then you turn the ad over, and there, there's a front cover. Right, yeah. So if that tells you anything, print is dying, unfortunately, because there's nothing like holding newspaper. Um, but just the online days of, you know, online media is just killing the print industry. Do you remember when they put out that awful cover ESPN the Magazine did of Chase Daniel and Chase Patton? Uh, Mizzou's current quarterback at the time, Chase Daniel, and Chase Patton is backup. And they said Chase Daniel might win a, win the Heisman and his backup could win the Super Bowl. You remember that bad cover? Oh, yeah, as bad as that. Well, yeah, that was terrible. D- do you want to guess what, what Chase Patton is doing now? Selling insurance, maybe? He is a dentist now. And he oh. threw for a grand total in his time at Mizzou of 256 yards. 256 more yards than I'll ever throw for, I guess. And he got to be on the cover of ESPN. <laughs> That's not bad. I bet he has that framed in his office. I would. At the same time, though, he's got to be disappointed in the sense like, wow, ESPN said I was going to win a Super Bowl, and now I'm a dentist. I mean, that's not a bad backup plan. Oh, no. No, dentists make good money, and, and he's right there in Columbia, so he's a big name. Uh, you know, doing his uh, dentist work there, but that would be – that's a little bit different. It, it's still got to be somewhat disappointing that 
for him that he's a dentist instead of working uh, with, uh, with you know, playing in the National Football League when he was expected to win Super Bowls. I, I don't blame him, though. I, I blame the writer for putting that much pressure on him when he had never even started a game for Mizzou at that point when he was on that cover. Yeah, no joke. Not to mention there hasn't been that many great Mizzou quarterbacks. So track record's not very good. So I don't know how Denver – Denver obviously feels differently about that, but um, we'll, we'll see. We'll touch on that Locke for does. a bit. I, I'm not sold on Drew Locke as an NFL quarterback. He's got all the talent, all the ability, you know, all the intangibles, but every time he played a quality opponent of some sorts, he struggled. And newsflash, Alabama's tough, but the NFL is much harder than preparing for teams like Alabama. Yeah, exactly. Now, he did as Nick Saban, but, you know, even against Oklahoma State wasn't, you know, overly impressive. So uh, maybe Denver sees – that's why we're not NFL people, I guess. Maybe they see some something we don't. Or maybe he's just back up for, you know, until they can figure out what Flacco is. So Maybe – they ought to put him on the final issue of ESPN the magazine and say, we meant this Mizzou quarterback's going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, to try to go off with some sort of semblance of, I don't know, credibility. Right. <laughs> I mean, Mizzou quarterback on that. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Tom, Tyreek Hill, I hate even talking about this anymore because this is just dragged on. As we're recording this, today is the 30th day of April, 2019. It is 6.51 p.m., and Tyreek Hill is still a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. And he has been suspended from all team activities. The audio tape is out uh, just within, you know, 30 minutes of us recording this. A 911 call was released, an ambulance uh, about his passed-out pregnant fiancé, Crystal Espinoza, and what she's been through. We know that the evidence is enough for him not to have custody of his child, that he wasn't granted custody, and also his fiancé wasn't given custody either. All the, the details in the allegations that are out there, the information that we have, the criminal case is back open again. I don't see how the Chiefs don't have enough information to just go ahead and move on and, you know, say that, you know, enough's enough. The Chiefs organization, you know, they promised their fan base, they sold them a bag of goods. They said, you know, hey, when, when Tyreek Hill showed up, that was very unpopular for the Chiefs community, you know, for their fan base. I was very vocal. I spoke out against them signing Tyreek Hill at the time and, you know, all what he brought in, the trouble that he you know, brought in and his history and such. And GM at the time, John Dorsey, who's now with the Cleveland Browns, Andy Reid, Clark Hunt, they all said, trust us, everything's going to be okay. We've done our vetting on this guy. He is going to be a model citizen. He's going to do everything right for this franchise in this community we will not let you down trust us and now there is no reason to ever trust the chiefs organization ever again no reason whatsoever because they let they let us down with with what they did putting 
I'm not blaming the Chiefs directly for what happened to this three-year-old boy for this broken arm and all that, that comes with that for the pain that his fiance went through and everything. Not blaming them at all. But the, the Chiefs owe an apology to Kansas City. And to make this right, they need to show that they actually care, that they're going to take a step in the right direction and you know, do their part to end domestic abuse and speak out against it and take those right steps forward. The Chiefs organization owes that to this community. They owe it to, to do for the mistakes that they made because this whole situation has been poorly handled and poorly managed, and I, I, I'm sick. I, I'm disappointed, to say the least. Oh, rightfully so. And um, they knew, you know, coming into this thing that this was going to be a possibility or something like this could have happened, and uh, they saw it with Kareem Hunt, and they, you know, they took the correct, correct action with Kareem Hunt. Uh, I mean, that was pretty cut and dry, you know, as far as what had happened. And, you know, for the most part, this is pretty cut and dry. When we listen to that, that audio tape and, and listen to that report, it kind of sounded like uh, they were trying to cover for something. Uh, and obviously, we don't know every little detail of this, but it did sound like they were trying to cover up or the fiancé was trying to help cover up um, just for the sake of, you know, Tyreek Hill's career and, and, the, and the money that, you know, had this not come out, the money that he was pretty much due. Uh, because let's be real, that contract that he was about to get was going, you know, the money that he was going he, to be He paid, was about to be the highest-paid receiver in the National Football League. Exactly. Okay, exactly. So it's kind of like, well, uh, you know, what do you do now? So I, I think for them it would look kind of like a cover-up, and, and you had mentioned the track record for the Chiefs on, on getting players with domestics in. Uh, and, and then you go from Cream Hunt, Hunt, and then you go from Tyra Kill, and now you just brought a guy in, not to get off subject here, but then you get bring in Frank Clark. Um, so, you know, are Kansas City Chiefs, are they, you know, how, who in the organization doesn't, isn't, you know, seeing these things or choosing not to see exactly them. and what um, if they what if they learn from this because it, it appears like nothing if you within the week of all this is going on bring in frank clark and then on top of that brett veach said that they are not going to change their vetting process that they're confident that they're doing this the right way they're not learning anything from this situation and going forward the chiefs has shown no signs that this is going to change that they are taking the right steps in the right direction, that they have learned absolutely nothing from the mistakes that they made with this. Yeah, and obviously not. Uh, I mean, something's got to eventually change. Something's got to come to fruition here where they think, well, maybe we're not doing this the right way. As far as the cream hunt thing, I get that in all-world talent. Uh, you know, you didn't necessarily expect that. As far as Tyree Kill, I mean, it's kind of thinking like, well... Now that, you know, this has all come out, we saw it at Oklahoma State, now we're seeing it again, now Frank Clark. Um, I guess there's no domestics with this guy, necessarily, the guy they brought in. Um, but there is history of, uh, you with know. With Frank Clark, bad... there actually was a domestic abuse charge. It yeah, was eventually Frank... dropped at, at Michigan, yes. Yeah, but, and then, you, I mean, I guess it's, it's this guy's wasn't domestic, but Tyron Matthew had, you know, some trouble with the law. 
Uh, granted, he seems to have turned it around, so I, you know, I can't hate on him. He's been a great player and, and kind of a great comeback story there. But uh, it's still kind of the Chiefs are taking a flyer on anybody who has had any legal issues here lately. Right. It's a it's a desperation mode to win. The Kansas City Chiefs know that Patrick Mahomes is on a rookie contract and that they have a limited window to take advantage of that limited rookie contract. And so you see them taking risk with troubled players with sacrificing character for winning. And that's what this organization is doing. And it's disappointing because that does not reflect who this this city and this community is. I don't think that having good people and having a you know winning organization is mutually exclusive. You know that, that you can't have both. I think that you can have both things, but the Chiefs have chosen to uh, take a win at all costs approach. And you know this franchise didn't do a whole lot of winning before Alex Smith showed up, and so now you see them you know trying to. Uh, you know, do whatever it takes to get to this point, and and it's disappointing. It's disappointing that this team values winning over character, and that's what we've seen from this organization, this franchise, with the decisions that they've made. As far as Tyreek Hill's future goes, I hope first and foremost this boy gets the help he needs, that he's taken care of. I am really nervous about these twins that are coming in the position, you know, situation they're going to be put in. I hope that nothing but the best works out and that, you know, all this, you know, that they find a better circumstance that they're in right now. Legally, you know, Tiger Kill's got a lot of money. I don't know if this is going to, you know, if he's eventually going to just pay this off and get out of the circumstance. I don't know what. But Tyreek Hill has already had his second chance. And the Chiefs do not owe him a third chance. In fact, the National Football League does not owe him a third chance. And who, who said that the Chiefs had to be this team of second and third chances either? Who said that playing in the NFL was that chance? The, the NFL is supposed to be a privilege to play in, not a right to do so. You know, that, that next opportunity could, you know, be working for a charity or, you know, driving a truck or something like that. It, it, the, the opportunity to say that he deserves another opportunity in the National Football League it's just absurd. He, he He's not owed anything. So whatever it may be, the, the next step for Tyreek Hill, I hope that he never plays another down in the National Football League again and he turns his life around and he makes it right with his family and becomes a model citizen. That's what we need to see next. Who cares about his football future? He should have no football future. What he needs is he needs life turned around. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I don't want to – be you know make any assumptions but i imagine maybe that this whole you know kind of seemed like a cover-up story to you know hopefully this this wouldn't come out and you know a three-year-old with a broken arm like that it's going to constitute a welfare check of some sort especially with tyree kill's background I, I mean i suspect that once the chiefs release him I'm, I'm guessing um that once this once that all happens that there will be more details that we aren't being currently told yet. Uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but at the same time, it sounds like the fiance is, you know, kind of, you know, almost doing kind of what Ray Rice's wife did, kind of saying, you know what, I deserved it. I did all this, trying to make things right uh, because the money is lucrative uh, and money will make you do some crazy things. Um, and, you know, it'll make you do almost 
you know, crazier things than the Chiefs uh, signing all these guys with track records. Um, so I suspect that we'll hear more of what kind of really happened because, I mean, right now it's still a little ambiguous, but you can still kind of see through it. I mean, it's kind of – it's still a little transparent where, hey, okay, we know kind of what happened, uh, and we know that this is kind of a cover-up. Exactly. Um, so I expect that we'll see – in the coming days, maybe maybe another month or kind of whatever the Chiefs, the ball's in the Chiefs' court now, and whatever they decide to do, I think from then on we'll hear more. Right, right. The the, the future for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, I think they answered a lot of questions about Tyreek Hill's future with his team with the draft pick that they made right away. Uh, the, the, their very first pick in the second day, because obviously their first pick was on Frank Clark, and, you know, I was still skeptical about that Frank Clark deal, even without the domestic abuse allegations, is that they, they gave up a lot for a guy that is not necessarily an all-pro talent. Not yet, anyway, but they did fill a need, though. So I'll give them credit there. When I look at this draft with what Kansas City was able to do, they, 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 they worked on needs. And we don't know about the individual talent, how it's going to work out, but with that first pick of the second round, Picking up uh, Mikkel Hardman, the wide receiver from Georgia, runs a 4-3-3. He not only is a good wide receiver, but also does the kick and the punt return as well. You're never going to replace Tyreek Hill, but they found a guy that probably can do some of the things, carry some of the load for replacing a guy like Tyreek Hill of what that would encompass. So I like that pick of Hardman there. Of filling that void from what you get of Tyreek Hill, both on the kick and punt return, but also from the receiving core. That was good. Juan Thornhill was their uh, second pick in the second round at safety. They need a guy to play alongside Tyron Matthew in that secondary. Another second, you know, another, uh, you know, another safety to play alongside him because you don't want to have to play, you know, uh, Daniel Sorensen another year after. You know, I mean, Daniel Sorensen is what it is. He is a backup safety. He had no business starting the last two seasons like he did when Eric Berry went down. So if you can get him out there, that's a plus just getting Dan Sorensen off the field. Colleen Saunders with that uh, third pick in the uh, third round, a rotational defensive lineman you know, guy that will be D-tackle. When you go to this new scheme of a 4-3, you're going to have to rotate linemen in and out and, you know, Saunders fits that. He'll, he'll be able to be a rotation player right away. The, the other spots, uh, Rashard Fenton from uh, South Carolina at corner. They need depth at corner. That's obviously good. Running back, they were able to pick up Darwin Thompson, the uh, six-round pick from Utah State. He's actually from Jinx, Oklahoma, so that's pretty cool. They're trying to find, you know, a third back that could be, you know, a breakout guy of some sort. You, you have it covered with Damian Williams as well as a Carlos Hyde for this year. But if Thompson could be a flyer that maybe you catch to be a guy that you can depend on in the future, it's worth a shot, six-round pick. And then a uh, the final pick they used on a Nick uh, Algretti, the uh, offensive lineman from Illinois, and they need the backup center, and they got a backup center. So I liked what Kansas City did in this draft. We don't know how the personnel is going to do directly. These guys are what the talent level is. The draft is such a crapshoot. But in regards to filling needs, the Chiefs did a very good job of doing just that. Yeah, and, and kind of from what you said, their, their first pick kind of did seem like they were taking the, the 
what steps they can to replace Tyreek Hill. So uh, that's kind of foreshadowed his release. Um, I, you know, we'll see when it happens. Um, I mean, I suspect maybe after tonight, maybe by tomorrow morning. If not then, then maybe when some more details come out. Well, I mean, and you can't just, just hang can't on to him because you think another team's going to grab him. You, you have to put – that should not be a factor. What should matter is – what's best for your organization and how you want to represent your team, not what everybody else is going to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and we're going to find out how quickly they do release him. I mean, I, I can't imagine a world in the NFL in today's NFL where Tyreek Kill would stay on this football team. Uh, not only just because, because what he's, what he's done, uh, not only that, but just the backlash that the chiefs would receive, um, from around the league and from the fans, and people would be headhunting them day in and day out if they didn't decide to do this. So even if they don't want to, even if they say, no, he's all this big talent and, you know, our window and and Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and our star-studded offense and all this other stuff, even if they don't want to, they still have to. Um, and they don't have to say that, obviously, but um, – it's kind of come down to a do the right thing if you don't want to uh, because the backlash that you're going to receive is going to be tremendous. Right, right. And, and when I look at the, the rest of the draft, Tom, just the uh, NFL draft as a whole, Kyler Murray going number one, and the uh, Cardinals traded Josh Rosen. They used a, a second-round pick. Uh, they they uh, got a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick in exchange for uh, Josh Rosen there. And the Kyler Murray deal, I'll say this, Tom. I like Kyler Murray, and I think that he was the best quarterback in this draft. That was That's a tremendous talent that he got in Kyler Murray, and they, I like him more than Josh Rosen of what he's able to do at that position. But it is still, I think, a mistake by the Cardinals of how they handled this Josh Rosen circumstance. If you want Kyler Murray, that's fine. But the timing of when they held on to him, uh, of when they decided to trade him, was just stupid, I felt. Diana Rossini was on with us last week, and she brought up an excellent idea and said that they should have waited till training camp when a team is desperate for a quarterback after an injury or two and get a first-round pick. How many first-round picks was Sam Bradford traded for over the years? Uh, there, you're trying to tell me that you couldn't get a first-round pick from Josh Rosen? That, that's That's crazy. They, they either should have traded him earlier when they knew that they were going to take Kyler Murray when uh, Rosen's stock was a little bit higher, when his demand was a little bit more there, or waited a bit until they could have gotten more out of him. I thought they totally mismanaged the way that they uh, took care of this Josh Rosen deal. I, I know for Kyler Murray, it's probably easy for him that he is not going to have to be there with Josh Rosen. They're going to have to, you know, be in the same room together and, you know, knowing ultimately what's going to turn out, that's probably better for Kyler. But for what they got in his organization, this was, this was poorly mismanaged. Yeah, I thought so too. And I, I thought they should have, uh, you know, kind of set on this for a bit and then taken flyers from other teams. Or I think you even mentioned it maybe last week, take Kyler Murray. Uh, and then in, inevitably when a preseason quarterback starting preseason, you know, goes down in the preseason – uh, or something happens kind of like oh, what happened to the Redskins last year, um, you know, someone would take a flyer on Josh Rosen and, and pay a premium for him midseason or before the trade deadline. 
that could have been the best option. Uh, but, you know, you would have to wait to kind of get your reward there or wait to get your payment, per se. Um, but in the long run, they definitely could have gotten more. Yeah, that was uh, that was disappointing how they, they handled that, that situation there. But uh, I do like Kyler Murray uh, as far as what he can bring to Arizona. I, I will say, though, this is where – I am concerned when I look at Kyler Murray in the National Football League, Tom, is not his height and not his playmaking ability, but he does have a very thin body. He, he weighed in at 207 at the Combine, but he played at a weight of about 175 at OU, and I would spe- expect him probably to go down a bit. He was trying to bulk up, I think, for the Combine and for the draft itself. He probably goes down a bit. That's where I'm concerned is – you know, can he can he maintain muscle and maintain the body to hold up? Because he is a small guy, just his body as a whole. I, I don't care about height, but his body itself. That's where I'm concerned. And in Oklahoma, he was behind four offensive linemen that got drafted. And his starting center is probably going to be a first-round pick in next year's draft. He had an excellent offensive line that he was able to just run all over and do whatever he wanted and was well protected. The Arizona Cardinals have the worst offensive line in the NFL. And we know that it is a much tougher league for scrambling quarterbacks or guys that are mobile and such. That's where I'm concerned is, you know, for his future. And I, I've been very consistent on this is the talent is there, but I'm concerned about the body. A lot of people compare him to Michael Vick. Michael Vick, tremendous talent. The body didn't hold up. Yeah, exactly, and we're going to be, you know, we're, we're going to see come September how durable Kyler Murray is because um, just the division he's in. I mean, you got the 49ers who just drafted Nick Bosa. Uh, you have Seahawks who, you know, now they traded Frank Clark. They still have some, you know, defensive talent that will get to Kyler Murray. Um, two, I mean, these are two times a year here, and then you have the Rams. Um so Aaron Donald's going to get his uh, no matter what team it's against. So uh, you're going to, you're going to be on your butt uh, quite a bit. So it's going to be interesting to see how durable Kyler Murray is, and and he's not used to necessarily uh, getting put on his butt with that O line that was at OU. You know he he's not used to just getting hit, getting hit, getting hit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how good not only the Arizona Cardinals offensive line is and how they gel, but also how good Kyler Murray is going to be. A, take a hit, and B, how elusive he can be uh, in the NFL. Um, and, you know, it usually doesn't translate as well as it does in, you know, as it looks in college. So it'll be interesting to see how he can figure out how to not take as many hits or how the Arizona Cardinals can put, uh, you know, a pad of offensive linemen around him to kind of reduce that. Uh, I guess a right. good thing for him, he doesn't have to play Aaron Donald until late in the season. I think the Rams don't play the Cardinals until for the first time until December, the first week in December and the last week in December. So uh, maybe they can, you know, figure that out by then because that's one guy that I would not want hitting me is Aaron Donald. Well, and the other thing, I'll say this, to his credit, as opposed to Michael Vick, despite Kyler Murray you know, he, he's going to be one of the fastest players in the National Football League, despite having that speed. To his credit, he is still a pocket quarterback first. He still looks to complete the pass in the pocket 
before he escapes from pressure and you know either runs and scrambles away for a first down or throws on the run, whatever. And that's where Russell Wilson has been so successful. And why he has not gotten hurt a whole lot is that he is still looks to make a play in the pocket first as opposed to Michael Vick and others. So he does have that going for him. That's a good sign. We'll see if ultimately it, it pays off. Uh, talking quarterbacks, the laughing stock of the league right now is clearly the New York Giants with what they did drafting Daniel Jones, who most people probably had no idea even existed that this guy was even alive before this past week. He was projected to be either a late first or a second round pick in, in this year's draft. And there's nothing on the film that stands about, out about this guy. He's not that accurate. He doesn't have a whole lot of arm strength. And he just happens to have played under David Cutcliffe. And he knows the Mannings really well. And a lot of comparisons have been made to, of all quarterbacks, Eli Manning. And I'll say this. I like Eli. Eli is a great dude, and he's been terrific in some of the, winning some of the biggest games in Super Bowl history. But Eli Manning is going to go down as the worst Hall of Fame quarterback of all time because he's going to be a Hall of Famer. You don't win two Super Bowl MVPs and, and not be in the Hall of Fame. He will be. But if they found the next Eli Manning, then, my goodness, you talk about calls for concern – the, the, the Giants Giants fans can't get rid of Eli fast enough, and you're going to replace him with a worse version of Eli. This sounds like a disaster for the New York football Giants. Oh, of course it is. I mean, they're the laughing stock right now. You trade away Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, I mean, you don't really have any, you know, worthwhile targets to even mention uh, for your new quarterback. Um, it's It looks like – a real, real bad situation. I mean, there's always got to be a team that's going to be the laughing stock of the league, uh, and there's only so many wins that can go around, and I have a real good feeling that maybe for a while uh, the New York Giants are going to become the new Cleveland Browns. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, and, and you know, of course, Odell's not there and a few others. And, I mean, you got Saquon, but you got to have other players. You can't just win – a lot of games based on one running back of what that's going to do for you. Because once that running back gets hurt, then then what you got uh, as far as that goes. Uh, when I look at this quarterback class as a whole, Tom, and, and where they're positioned, I like Kyler Murray, and I really like uh, Dwayne Haskins as well there in Washington. Neither guy is on the best of teams in the best of circumstances, but they're good enough talents. They should play themselves out of that bad circumstances, that, that they should make that work. I like those guys there. Other than that, I don't really like this quarterback class. I, I said earlier about Drew Locke, all the talent's there, but he's got a lot of growth to do. And John Elway, we know, is not the best when it comes to young quarterbacks uh, as, as far as you know that situation goes. Um, you know, I'm not sold on him as an NFL quarterback, not sold on Daniel Jones, uh, some of these others here. I, I like Murray and Haskins. I don't like their situations, but that, that's all I really like. This, this is going to be – one of the lesser classes, comparably speaking, uh, of this decade we're talking about. Maybe two quarterbacks or pro bowlers at some point, but beyond that, that that's all I see from this class. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And there, there's one that I liked that won't start for a few years or maybe won't get a chance or maybe they'll trade him and just like they have all the past quarterbacks, um, and that is Jared Stidham. Um you see how Garoppolo sat behind Brady for those years and now got his job. 
uh, as the 49ers quarterback. We saw the Matt Castle error go down. Well, you know, that didn't turn out very good. But uh, still, the Patriots, uh, I like Jared Stidham there. Um, said behind Tom Brady, I, I like Jared Stidham at Auburn. So I'll be. it'll be interesting to see how long or how much longer Tom Brady plays because, you know, eventually he's going to have to retire. Uh, and the Patriots are going to have to figure out somebody else. So it's interesting to see what the Patriots see in him drafting him. What was it, third round? Fourth round. Uh, fourth round. Uh, I mean, they had to get someone as a backup. I understand that. But uh, just how Tom Brady, you know, his time's coming to an end, it's interesting to see the Patriots take a quarterback there and, and see kind of what they're going to get out of him. Uh, because the, the Patriots are a lot like the Spurs where you say, mm, who is this guy? And, and comes out of nowhere and, and ends up being, uh, you know, a talent that so many people missed on. Well, last question. Um, so let, let me leave on this note. Uh, see what you think of this, Tom. In regards to Stidham, if he got drafted by any of the 31 other teams, would you still raise your eyes and still be interested of what he could do, think that he could be a good NFL quarterback, or is it because the Patriots grabbed him? Is it – uh, which one is it for you? Is it do you like him because New England likes him, or or do you like him anywhere he could have been? So that's a very good question, and I I like him pretty much only, and I'll be completely honest, because New England took him. If they saw something in him, um, then I, don't, I mean I don't think they would just to me as good as the Patriots have been. I don't think they just. I, I think they calculate their draft picks very carefully, um, and I couldn't imagine them taking Jared Stidham uh, for reasons other than where Tom Brady is now. I couldn't, I wouldn't guess that they would take him just to take him. Um, maybe best available QB at the time in their mind, and so they just took a flyer on him. Um, but, you know, third and fourth round, there's still some good talent there. So, uh, for me, if, if Tom Brady was still where he was, uh, you know, three years ago, if you were, you know, six years away from him retiring or even four, you know, then I could I could feel very differently about this. But, uh, I mean, in all honesty, Jones, how many more years do you think Tom Brady has? I'd, I'd give him this season and two more, and I'm probably being generous. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that there's only a couple more years left with, with Brady. The end has got to come eventually. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a fascinating point. If, uh, if they see that in Stidham, he was picked higher than Brady was for what that's worth. If that's worth anything, I don't know, but it, it is, uh, something to watch for if, uh, if Stidham can get an opportunity there with new England, I liked him at Baylor. I was unimpressed with what he did at Auburn. The situation that was there, he had everything that he could ask for there at Auburn and he still could not elevate that team to another level like that was expected of him. So that's where I saw disappointment in Stidham is I expected more from Auburn, and I didn't see that from him uh, as far as that goes. Coming up next, Kendra Douglas is set to join us from KSN in Wichita. Plenty to talk about with her coming up on the other side, right here on the Jones Report. Well, at this time, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the program for the very first time from KSN in Wichita, the NBC affiliate, it is uh, Kendra Douglas who joins us on the Jones Report right now. Kendra, welcome in. Glad to hear from you. What's happening today? 
Thank you. I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped to be on this. You know, it's funny. I see you tweet out your podcast and I'm like, yo, this would be dope. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to be on it, but not much really. Just like, I just enjoying this uh, dreary weather, this rain we got going on. So that's really all. Hopefully baseball isn't canceled, right? Right. Exactly. Uh, That's great. I'm glad that we got you on and and glad that you want to be on and we could uh, work that out. And I gotta tell you, you mentioned that the weather going on right now. You know, this is the the point in the season, Kendra, where uh, the the newscasts every once in a while you, you get all your sports ready to go, and then what do you know? You got weather coverage, and all your good days work is done with. Have you experienced that yet? Is that a uh, or or is that you think is going to happen soon? So yeah, I've experienced that. But the thing is, I think I prepare for it. Also, I'm kind of like, all right, I get it. Like the weather outside all of a sudden looks horrible. So you, you might cut back your time, but yeah, I've, I've had that happen to me a couple of times because of severe weather. And, and that's a, it's a huge thing here. I think that's what I learned when I moved here is that severe weather is a thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is a big deal. And the, the meteorologists are the, the biggest stars in every market too, bigger than us sports people or news people, whatever. I mean, it's <laughs> and pe- people tune in for weather. They, they could care less about us. Yeah, they love the weather here. They love the weather, and they love our chief meteorologist. She's great. She's awesome. She's so talented at what she does. She keeps you entertained too. So I love it. But it's you definitely. I definitely am in a weather market for sure. Yeah, for uh, sure. R- remind me. I believe Lisa Teachman is you guys' chief, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, she was in KC for a while. Lisa Teachman. She's great, and she's so she's so cool to hang out with and talk with, and. She's so knowledgeable in everything that she does. It's pretty it's pretty insane that you can get excited about learning about like weather. Yeah. Like you can get excited at learning weather with her. That's cool. Sure. That's cool. She did a great job in KC for years and glad to see that you guys are mm-hmm. getting to enjoy there at uh, KSN. Uh, Kendra, first off, tell us about yourself, uh, where you're from and your background and all that. So I am from North Carolina. So I um Raleigh, the Raleigh area. And I was kind of mentioning to you, like, you know, the hurricanes are, are doing well. So we got hurricanes going for the Stanley Cup. So it's pretty it's pretty interesting to see how they transitioned from basketball to now, like, everyone's just, you know, excited to see how far the hurricanes can go this season. Um, so, yeah, I and then I ran track at UNC Chapel Hill. So I've always been an athlete. And then I decided that, you know, this being a journalist was the right move in my life. And um, kept on with sports journalism for a while. Uh, went to the Rio Olympics and covered the Olympics and landed my first job um, out of the Olympics in Wilmington, North Carolina, so on the coast. So I covered a lot of sports there, some pretty interesting things there. When Coach Kevin Keats was there, UNCW's basketball coach before he became the head coach over at NC State, got to cover him a lot. And then I made the transition to wichita kansas so been here for almost a year now and it's been pretty good it's been pretty fun great that's uh that's great to hear and uh and being from uh from carolina and raleigh and everything i mean the the hurricane that, that that's a big deal uh i mean and, and so rare that they're uh, in contention like this uh, it's been a long time since anybody's talked about the carolina hurricane being one of the uh, top teams in the nhl they have a realistic shot to make a deeper run here like I can honestly remember when there was a time where you just didn't really go to any of the games. Like I remember when like you would just be like, yeah, we have them here because they just weren't 
doing really well. And then they got a new coach. And then they got that uh, 18-year-old, I think, or that really young guy who's made a difference, who got knocked out. I think was it was against um, who they last played. Oh, my gosh. It was it was against the Caps. It was one of the – he got knocked out. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, like one of our best players just like got punched out. And um, it's been fun to just keep up with them. Um, and fun to see how far they go this season because I think that this is something different that no one else, no one has seen in such a long time. And I think it's brought the community closer together. I mean, there's not. I mean, yeah, basketball and football always does, but I think this honestly has brought North Carolina pride like out and shown, and it's totally something you can see, and I can feel it all the way from Kansas. So, well, and, and- hopefully they, you know. Yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it seems like, Kendra, from a distance that the, the, you know, the Carolina Hurricane and both the Carolina Panthers have such an impact on not only North Carolina, but South Carolina, both that there's the one, the, those are the two things that unify that area. Otherwise, you know, the college sports are all over the place from Duke to UNC to Clemson to South Carolina to, I mean, NC State, and whatever. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's pretty diverse. I mean, beyond uh, those two sports, you know, other, other than those two, everything is uh, pretty wide open in that region. Yeah, but I, I will say there's only one Carolina, and that's North Carolina. <laughs> so, it's funny. I think that we always have that battle with South Carolina because I know the Gamecocks, they'll say, yeah, I go to Carolina, and, and we'll be like, no, 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 no. We're Carolina. So, uh, I mean, in a sense, you, you still have that um, camaraderie and, and that whole balance of everyone, you know, cheering on this team. But uh, it's funny. It's, 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 I think it is one, that one time where you can put, like, your, your, your feelings aside <laughs> and just cheer I, on a team that you believe is going to do well. I know exactly what you may be from Tulsa. OU and OSU fans come together to root on the Oklahoma City Thunder. And it's so unique mm-hmm. because, you know, they'll, they'll be arguing about OU and OSU during the middle of a Thunder game when they're rooting on each other, too. So I know exactly that dynamic that, that you're talking about there. It's pretty unique, to uh, say the least. What did you run at uh, Carolina when you were uh, doing track uh, out there? So I ran the 400 and um, gosh, it's the worst race I think anyone can ever, can ever get into. And I think so many people will tell you, it's just that it's turned into a full on sprint now. And I talk with older people and they're like, yeah, I used to jog this and jog that when I used to run that 440. And now I'm like, oh, I don't think anyone's jogging anything anytime soon. (laughs) It is such a fast event and the times and the girls now running this it's insane it's definitely um become faster it's definitely become more competitive but um it's fun to see it's fun i love track and field i love seeing how much it's grown it's really fun to see uh girls become more competitive in it and i just hope that um it continues to grow. I know it's hard now with, you know, you saying bull out of the picture and you're kind of like, well, who sure. do you watch now during the Olympics or who do you continue to support? And I just think that there's so many talented athletes out there that you can watch and support. So hopefully, hopefully people will realize that and, and will continue to watch track and field and, and, you know, keep up to date with it. Right, right. And, and I, I imagine that Rio was such a unique experience, not only just because it was the Olympics and everything, but, 
you know, whether it's, you know, here in the U.S., and Carolina would be a good example of this, you know, basketball and football are king. You go on down to the Olympics, and the track and field aspect was as big of an event as anything out there, especially with Usain Bolt and the attention he got. I mean, that must have been pretty cool to see just how many people came out and supported the attention that was around track and field down there at the Olympics uh, in Rio a couple years back. Oh, my I never went home past, like, 3 or 4 a.m. You would get there um, around, like, 6 maybe or maybe around, like, 5 to set up and to get, like, you know, your stuff ready for the interviews. And uh, around, and then I would get home at like three or four because everyone wanted to talk to him. Everyone wanted a piece of Usain Bolt in his last year. It was also around the time it was going to be his birthday. So I have this one picture where he's holding up this paper mache like uh, version of himself because people made it for him. And it was just insane how like, Everyone would pile in just to go see him run. Uh, it got to a point where I I would go take a break to watch him run, knowing that it was going to take like a good five hours for him to get through certain media lines before we could talk to him. I was like, I'm going to go watch him run and come back and get in line because I know I have time. <laughs> like I'm like, I know that I have time to go watch him run. I have time to go eat a little bit. I have time to go probably take a nap. And then go talk to him because it was just that insane. And um, it was it was such a, a surreal experience to see him in his last uh, big standing meet just give it his all. And um, it was so cool interviewing so many other athletes, too, and just finding out their story, finding out what makes them tick, finding out, you know, why they're so passionate about what they do. Um, but I also got to cover archery. So that was something fun and something hmm. different that I never done before covered archery. And I was working with this guy and we had no idea what we were doing. And then we were like, okay, we got this. And it was so funny because towards the end of archery, like we were so, um, caught up on everything and we were so hip to it that we would get so pumped whenever we saw North Korea come out and, um, uh, participate because we, we knew they were really good and we knew those were, that was the team to beat and it was just hilarious to see these two newbies get so pumped up for North Korea to go and participate in archery it was so funny and we were just like that's yes, bizarre oh she killed it yeah <laughs> that's incredible that, was, that is wild hilarious that that is no 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 question about it I, I Kind of felt the same way. I, I got into curling in the last Winter Olympics, and by the end of it, I was obsessed and had to watch every single match. It, it's crazy what the Olympics can do to you sometimes uh, if you're watching close enough and can get sucked in right then. So uh, that, that, that's pretty cool, to uh, say the least. Kendra, uh, starting with the uh, the Chiefs and their situation with Tyreek Hill. First off, uh, you know, as we're taping this, it is 10.45 on Tuesday, and Tyreek Hill is still a Chief at the moment. Uh, what do you make of the situation? Uh, just just your thoughts of what's transpired over this last week. Um, I I honestly can say I'm a little surprised that he wasn't on the exempt list on Monday. I I thought that you know the NFL would definitely wait until the um, draft was over uh, to, to handle this, and and very much so. You know, it could happen any so any time this week. I think that that's kind of the deal of it. All of it is now is. Now it's just a waiting game to see what happens. It's sad. 
um, you see this guy, he was such a good star player for this team. And he had such positive energy throughout. I mean, you have the, the kid was going into the stands to like, you know, get the camera and, you know, he, he was, he was performance, but in these types of situations, it's, you have to think about that family. You have to think about the kid. And um, I think what you're going to see is, you know, he's, he's not going to be a part of this program anymore. I mean, Clark Hunt said it himself. He's not a part of the franchise right now and that him and Brett Beach will talk about it and make the right steps and move forward with it. But I don't think you can go move forward with it uh, into the season. I think that you'll have too much of a distraction and I don't think the Chiefs need that at the moment. You have a team that almost made it to the Super Bowl. They're not going to want any distractions when they want, when they need to get back to that moment. Right. So I think that, yeah, you're, you're not going to see him be a part of this organization much longer, I don't think. Yeah, and I, I think that the reason why that they haven't made a decision right away compared to the Kareem Hunt case is that with Kareem, you it was a game week. You had to make a decision because you had to know what you were working with and not you know, eliminate you had to eliminate distractions right away, and so they made a decision within hours. This situation, they're they're taking more time because they're not going to see the field again until you know July or August. Uh, they're they're taking their time with this a, a totally different approach compared to what happened previously with Kareem. Yeah, and I think yeah, definitely the offseason has something to do with it. And I think also the investigation has a lot to do with it. I think I think there's just so much going on with it that kind of like you 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 kind of, you just you sit and wait and you try to figure out what you're going to do. Um, and I think we will find out soon. Uh, you know, I think what the NFL really doesn't do much don't, doesn't really put players on the exempt list during the offseason. But I think for the situation, they probably could. They probably will make an exception for that. Um, and it's just it's now you just kind of are playing the waiting game and see what happens. Um, we saw in the draft how they they picked up and they got McCall Hardman. I mean, granted, I know the Chiefs said that they were going to pick a wide receiver anyway, but I, I doubt anyone was going to think that they were going to move this up to get him. Um, I think that shows tells a lot too. Um, they got to get their stuff in order too to make sure that they're good. At the end of the day, you're running a business. Um, and that's kind of what you have to remember is that you, you aren't, um, you can't be so emotionally tied no matter how good these players are, especially when, I mean, hate to say it, they've already given him a chance. I mean, right. uh, we can go back to what happened when he was at Oklahoma, we, Oklahoma state, we, he, he's already been given, you know, a chance of, um, okay. Like if you change your ways, we can bring you on. So at this point, you're kind of like, you can't always give everyone too many chances when it comes to this type of stuff yeah. and it's sad to see for him oh no question no, no no doubt about it and when you see him you know get that opportunity and blow it same with kareem hunt now they're bringing you know a guy like frank clark a lot, a lot of questionable players the chiefs have brought in uh within the last couple of years trying to do everything that possible to win it, it seems like kendra that this chiefs franchise cares more about winning than they do about the individuals that they're bringing in about the character side of that did you think that's the case uh that they're they're maybe putting uh, too much emphasis on on you know winning at all costs as opposed to uh doing doing the right thing as an organization you know what's funny or not funny what's interesting is that um our my fourth director brought this up one day he was just kind of saying it seems like the chiefs have an image crisis or like an image an image issue. Like they, they need to work on their image because this is, you're right. In a sense of they're bringing in another guy with a history. I will say, I really, 
I appreciated that Frank Clark was not secretive or didn't try to avoid the question when it was brought up to him about his um, uh, history with domestic abuse. Um, I think that was kind of refreshing to hear him say, you know, he owns up to it and that he can only be an advocate to change and he can meet and he, that he wants to be a better person because we don't know him. And I think from here on out, that means that we're going to keep him on a high pedestal of, all right, well, we, we, we're, we're watching you, you know, we're watching you also. We, you told us that, you know, you're, you, um, that you admit to all of this and that, you know, you own it. We're going to now make sure that you stay on that. And I think that's what the chiefs are, are doing too. I think that right now you're right in the sense of, they want to win. They see it so close. You know, when you're so close and you're so, you really can feel it and touch it, you're going to do whatever it takes to get whatever weapons you need to win. And um, hopefully uh, Frank Clark can stay in the right track and make us a believer that he has owned it and he has grown from it. And hopefully now the Chiefs can uh, move forward and move past that. But it does beg the question of do they need a an image uh, reboot or, or like, do they need to somehow try to clear their names or something? You know, it's you, you have this situation with Tyreek and then the next day you have Frank Clark and he has issues too. And you're like, Oh my gosh, what, what else are we going to find in Pandora's box? Right. Um, but hopefully from this point on, we can take him face forward and we can say, okay, well he owns it. He says he's going to get better. He's an advocate and we can move forward with that. Um, and hopefully the Chiefs can can move forward too and and work on their image. I think a little bit to make sure that people can trust them. I think that's really what it is too. Like you know, you you have these guys on a team, and now you have an image. You don't really want that image when you're trying to win a Super Bowl, right? Exactly, exactly. No question about it. Uh, we're joined by Kendra Douglas of KSN on the Jones Report right now. And uh, Kendra, when, when you look at this draft, uh, you know, they, as you mentioned, they made it very clear that Tyreek Hill is not going to be a part of this organization in the future with that very first pick trading up and, and getting Hardman. But also one of the things that I, I thought Veach and company did a good job of, whether you like the Frank Clark trade or not, they, they did fill needs. They did a good job of – they had a need at defensive end, filled that with Hardman uh, – or uh, with, mm-hmm. with Clark, also with Hardman at the, run, in the wide receiver position, uh, Thornhill at the safety spot. I mean, it, it appears that this draft on paper looks to be a success because whether we know these players are going to be successful or not as individuals, we do know that they, they attempted to anyway to fill needs uh, based on the way that they used those draft picks they did have. Yeah, I think it was really interesting. I think we all watched to wait to see what the first pick was because I think we all were kind of like, okay, either it's going to be a wide receiver or it's going to be someone on defense. And I think when he, when we saw that it was a wide receiver, I think, I think everyone in the room might have been like, oh, you know, like it was kind of one of those, you saw it coming. Um, you, you for sure saw it coming. I, I do think that with Steve Spagnuolo in the picture, you're, you were going to see the Chiefs work really hard to get their defense back to a spot where they're not last on at the NFL. You know, they're not last on the list. Um, I think that's definitely something that you you knew was going to happen, especially when you bring in a new guy um, to come in and fix it. And it's a guy that has worked with Andy Reid before and Brett Beach knows. So then you know you're going to put your trust in him, and and you're going to and you're going to 
get the weapons you need so you can get to a place where um, you get to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's really ultimately the goal. I think at this point, the Chiefs were so close, and they know they were so close, and they can taste it, and they can feel it, and they probably always just like, keep reminding themselves of that game. But at this point, you now look at, well, what can we do to get there? Bringing on Frank Clark was a big deal. I mean, Brett Vee said it himself. This is something that he's worked on for such a long time. And bringing him to the program, I think, was something that uh, I don't know if we – I think we saw it coming, but I don't know if we saw it coming. You know, I think we knew that it was going to happen, but I don't know if we knew it was going to happen. Like, we, we knew, but it was sure. one of those, all right, we get it. And um, I'm excited to see what their defense is like this season. Yeah. It seems like they are adding a bunch of new weapons to the program. Right, and in this defense, with being 31st in total defense a season ago, what they're asking from this defense, if the offense can have similar numbers to last season, you just need the defense to move up, not even to you know the top 15, just be a top 20 defense, and that, that'll be good enough uh, for this team if uh, the offensive production stays uh, close to the same. They're, they're not asking a whole lot from this defense to improve-wise. I think it's certainly capable especially with the the way the roster looks uh, right now. Kendra, uh, real quick on the Royals. Uh, I got to tell you, I don't know if you're in the same boat. I know it's just now starting, you know, it's almost May, but I'm already tired uh, of this baseball season. It's such a drag, and we've witnessed a lot of bad baseball already here in, you know, five or six weeks. They're nine and twenty. I mean, what else do you want? <laughs> I, I, I think we I guess all got excited cheap and hyped seats. for them in the beginning, and you get excited and hyped for them all the time in the beginning of the season. Yeah, cheap seats, um, I guess, are nice, but beyond that, I'm like, eh, okay, you know. I mean, just just waiting out out till September at this point. I think at this point, that's what you do. I don't know what's good. I don't know. I don't. I I'm so disappointed in them right now. Um, I think. I, I, you expected last night's game, for example, you expected Brad Keller to come back in, you know, from his five game suspension, be on a good terms. And, and instead he, he didn't have a good night. So then you're like, all right, well, here we are. Cause Jorge Soler helped him out a lot in the offensive end, getting them just down by one. So you were just kind of like, okay, like they have it in them. Like they can do it. <laughs> like they can come back from this. And um, I think that's really what you you get excited for and then they go on and on this run and they lose eight to five and you're like well how did that happen right uh i don't know i don't know what to say about the royals i think that they are a team that's just it's i when i came here um on my interview i have a manager who's super into the royals really big fan of the royals and um i remember thinking okay like this is going to be fun and exciting because he's pumped i'm pumped and I remember just reporting that all the games they were losing. And I was thinking, okay, stay pumped. We got this. And, and last year's season just was not well for them. But now they're on a 9-20 and 20 start. I don't know where to go from here. Like, right. I don't know how to say that this is a team that we want to continue to watch this season unless they, you know, pull magic tricks out of, out of their hat. Uh, um, their bullpen is something that's just got to – that's just really it. It's just, that's just it. Their bullpen. It's, yeah. It, it's got to get better. The, the runs are being scored. Uh, the offense has actually mm-hmm. been fine. The starting pitching has been okay. Not Brad Keller last night, but the bullpen has been such a struggle. It seems like it's something different every night. They can never get on the same page, uh, all three groups, uh, as far as that goes. And it can be very frustrating 
Uh, and if you're a Royals fan, as far as that goes. Uh, w- one more thing, and then, then we'll let you run here in a, in a moment, Kendra. Uh, you, you being from Raleigh, there, there's a very prominent former KU player also from there, uh, Devontae Graham. Did, did, did you get to know Devontae well? I know that uh, he's down there with the Charlotte Hornets now. That's got to be pretty cool for him and, and all those folks down there that he's uh, back at home again. Yeah, um, so I met him uh, at a signing one time, and from there on, it's been one of those things where, like, he's just – I've seen so much and how he's been so positive. And um, we have mutual friends from Raleigh, so it's kind of funny to see how, like, he'll be in Raleigh with, like, a lot of my friends, and I'm just so sad because I'm in Kansas, and I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, I miss my friends. Um, but I think um, – I think what he's doing right now is really positive. He does this thing where he gives away his shoes after a game. And I think that's something that even though he's so young and he's still starting out, that he's already putting that laying that foundation to be a good athlete and to be someone that you might remember him as not just being a good player, but also someone who's giving back. And I think that's really important for athletes right now. It's not just use your platform to be an athlete, but use your platform to spread awareness uh, or, or do something good for the community uh, because you're more than just an athlete. You're more than just uh, a person that's going to pick up a ball. And um, so I think him being back in Charlotte near all of, you know, friends, family, community, Raleigh, who supported him. I mean, Raleigh is really big on him and John Wall. (laughs) And even though we don't have Wall near Charlotte, they're really big on those two guys. And I think it's really, it's awesome to see. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the future. I think that the future is bright for him. And I think if he continues to just have this positive impact on the community and have this positive mindset of helping kids and, and making them smile, he'll definitely be somebody that we look at as not just a regular athlete. Right, right. And, and hopefully he gets more opportunities. Uh, I know that uh, when he did play in the G League some a little bit, he just tore it up. He had some outstanding games. So, Hopefully he uh, gets more opportunities in the NBA to uh, show off his talent and perform at a high level like that. Kendra, where can people connect with you and see all your work and what you're doing with uh, KSN and all that? Yeah, so I'm at Kendra underscore Melinda on Twitter, M-E-L-I-N-D-A. Is that a middle name? You can follow me on Twitter. What did you say? Is that your middle name? It is my middle name. Kendra Melinda. <laughs> That's nice. Nice rhyme yes. to it. Yes. So Kendra, yes, Kendra underscore Melinda on Twitter. So follow me there. And then you can hit me up on Instagram at Kendra period Douglas. And there you can find everything. I love to chat with people. I love talking to people. We love getting into uh, heated discussions with people. Mm. It's always great. You, <laughs> you we love it. You embrace the debate. I see. Uh, that's, that's, that's we good embrace here. the debate because why not? Sports <laughs> is universal. We love it. We love make. We love hearing from everybody. That's so. great. That's great. Kendra, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Yes, definitely. Have a good one. Big thanks to Kendra Douglas for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Appreciate her giving us a few minutes of her time. Had plenty to talk about, and uh, we're glad that she joined us for the very first time here on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. The NBA playoffs, second round in full swing right now, Tom. And, uh, you know, as we're recording this, tonight's games are uh, about to get underway with the uh, Warriors and uh, the Rockets and then the uh, Bucks and the Celtics. But in these series, Tom, 
you know, I, I still like, no matter even what happens tonight, barring some crazy injuries of some sorts, I still like the Warriors and the Raptors to advance to the NBA Finals. But uh, we have seen, I think, more competitive games, especially on the Western Conference side, than any of us anticipated. I mean, the, the Warriors still have their work cut out for them to get to the NBA Finals. It's, it's not so much a sure thing like we all assumed it was going into this postseason that you know, without Boogie Cousins and this team not playing that well together, it, it seems like these guys just hate each other. I mean, they, they, they do not get along, and and you know, eventually all dynasties come to an end. And we might be seeing, we might be, you know, hold out hope, the the end uh, of, of some dynasty of some sorts where if this dynasty is going to end, I think it's about this team, you know, f- falling out of some sorts. That's what it's going to take is, is these guys beating themselves. And if they don't win this NBA championship and Kevin Durant and company moves on, I, I think it's going to be, because of the chemistry factor of why they don't get this done. And we're starting to see these guys really just, you know, not be on the same page like they once were. Yeah, it has kind of come to that, it seems. And and you mentioned Kevin Durant moving on. That's a very real possibility. And, you know, even Steph Curry, you know, as great as he is, you know, he had those couple of seasons, uh, you know, a couple of seasons ago where he was just the hot thing. And, and now it doesn't, you know, he's still a great player. Still, you know, he still made that shot the other night, kind of iced the game. Uh, but, you know, Kevin Durant is kind of the, the player that ties this whole thing together in a way. Uh, but he's a very loose end, uh, to put it that way. So if this whole thing does come untied, yeah, it's going to start with Kevin Durant going somewhere. And, and you said all dynasties must come to an end. And, I, I you know, they're still obviously the favorites uh, this year in my mind. Uh, we'll see how tonight's game plays out. Um, but like you said, this is this all kind of starts with Kevin Durant possibly moving on. And, and as far as the chemistry goes, we've kind of seen some things that don't, you know, look like they gel very well, right? or at least this season, you know, with the whole KD and Draymond thing and, uh, you know, just their ups and downs throughout this season. Uh, Boogie Cousins, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with him after he comes back from injury. Uh, that quad tear is not easy to come back from, a la Tony Parker. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see. Like I said, I still think they win this series versus the Rockets. I think it goes six or seven games. Uh, but it'll be very interesting to see when the offseason starts what the legacy of this Warriors team, you know, what the next step is. Well, they are showing vulnerability. There was no reason why the Los Angeles Clippers should have won two games in that series based on talent level. The Clippers were far outmatched by Golden State when it comes to talent, but they have played really well. The Clippers have for a unit, collectively speaking, for the lack thereof of talent that's on that roster. So the fact that that L.A. did as well as what they did, yes, that's a testament to L.A., but it does show that Golden State is not what they once were a a couple years ago. Are they still good? Absolutely they are. They're still the favorites, but they are showing signs that that they aren't the same team that they once were at one point in time. And, you know, what what we've seen, think about this, Todd. We, We have looked at, you know, when when you've seen these dynasties come to an end, the chemistry is is so crucial. I think that's why the Spurs dynasty 
never ended. You know, it came down to age because the chemistry was always there. But with Shaq and Kobe, it was the lack of chemistry. It was, you know, that they were, you know, at odds with each other that finally created the end of that ordeal. With uh, some of these others that you have seen down the line, the uh, Miami Heat in their situation, they weren't, uh, you know, aligned with each other. Chris Bosh and LeBron and D. Wade, uh, you know, D. Wade and LeBron were seeing eye to eye, but Chris Bosh didn't feel like he was a part of the equation like he would have liked. And, and, you know, just so many others throughout time, that's what ends these ordeals uh, for the most part is lack of chemistry. And for the Warriors, this team, uh, they, they better figure it out here pretty quick because not only are we talking about the chemistry affecting this team and you know affecting their performance, but affecting their future because there is a very good chance Kevin Durant is going to be a New York Nick and, and this whole thing blowing up and being the effective end here. I mean, this is uh, – uh, it, it sounds crazy to say, but Golden State still has a lot to figure out to be the elite team that we know they're capable of being. No, and that's 100% true. And, and you've mentioned – kind of how Shaq and Kobe and uh, mentioned, you know, several other people, you know, LeBron and D-Wade and Bosh, and I think it just comes down to personalities clashing. Uh, and when you have, you know, Draymond and KD on the same team, you're going to eventually get to some problems. You know, it's not all going to be rainbows and butterflies the entire time. Um, so that's kind of what we're seeing here. We're maybe not as big as Shaq and Kobe uh, and maybe not, as big on, I don't know, maybe like a entertainment stage that the whole LeBron, D Wade, and Bosch thing was, but in a way, uh, it's very similar uh, to kind of how those teams broke up and, and the demise uh, of those teams, where the chemistry of it, you know, eventually doesn't work out or doesn't gel, and these teams are broken up, and and you get the not one, not two, not three, um, you know, for the Warriors. It seems to be the case just a little bit. You mentioned KD leaving to be maybe a New York Nick. Uh, talks about Clay Thompson possibly leaving. Um, you know, Steve Kerr, great coach still, but at the same time, when you have all these personalities, there's some. It's something is bound to happen, and and that's why you also mentioned the Spurs and what an anomaly that is, uh, because we don't see that in today's NBA. We don't see players giving up their ego. We don't see, you know, give up a good shot to get a better shot. Uh, we don't really see that. And so uh, that's not only a testament to the Spurs, but it's also just a testament on how it works in today's NBA and how it's so hard to keep uh, chemistry together on a super team. No question. No question about that as far as that goes. And, you know, I was hoping, Tom, that with this NBA postseason of LeBron James not being involved – that people would kind of, you know, quiet down about the very dumb LeBron and MJ debate. But basically, they have just found someone else to replace LeBron and, or, and you know, brought up Kevin Durant, comparing Kevin, Le, you know, Kevin Durant to MJ and all this. I'm like, please, you know, there, there is no comparison. We, we don't even know for a fact that Kevin Durant, if he's the best player in the league right now. I think Kawhi Leonard is the best two-way player in basketball and has a very good case for being the best player overall. I think he's right there with Kevin Durant, maybe 1A, 1B situation. 
to compare Durant to LeBron to LeBron or Michael Jordan is just absurd at this point in time. I don't see it. Uh, I don't think it's worthy of discussion by any means to compare those two. I would say that the more fair comparison is, is Kevin Durant better than Kawhi Leonard, let alone uh, is he better than Michael Jordan? That, that's crazy talk. Yeah, it is crazy. And, and uh, you know, LeBron obviously not being in the playoffs. And, you know, they're going to find the spotlight on somebody. So I guess the next, you know, available person to put that spotlight on would be KD. But, uh, I mean, you look at his track record on and off the court. Um, I, I, him leaving Oklahoma City in the way that he did, uh, for me, not even being locally biased, um, it's just kind of put a damper on that whole debate. It kind of just falsified what anybody would else, you know, try to say or try to compare to uh, MJ leaving the team that you should have beat uh, en route to probably three championships. Uh, it's just not something Michael Jordan would have done, uh, not something even LeBron would have done. Now, I know he left Cleveland, went to Miami, came back to Cleveland and won a championship, and now is Mr. Hollywood. Uh, but it's, it still doesn't, you know, the decision was bad. It's still probably the worst thing uh, that happened to the NBA in a long time, in my opinion. Uh, that was one of the stupidest uh, little segments I've ever witnessed. But uh, the way that Kevin Durant left to me just kind of mm, put a damper on anything that you could even try to argue against better than MJ, better than LeBron, hell, even better than Kobe. Uh, so we'll see what else his legacy holds. We'll see where his next chapter is uh, this offseason. Now, hell, if he takes the New York Knicks to the finals and wins, then we can reissue, rehash that debate. Right, right. Then uh, then maybe, uh, but even then, uh, I, I, like I said, I still think that they're closer. He's closer to Kawhi than he is MJ uh, as far as separating the two goes. But uh, as this playoffs runs through right now, Tom, you know, the, the Warriors are the favorites in the West, but who, who do you think is right now going to come out of the East? I, I, I think that, you know, you and I have both been high on Toronto uh, throughout this playoffs, but, you know, Boston has looked better the way that they played the last couple of weeks. They, they've really started to caught on. You know, that's a very talented team. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, I mean, those those four teams, there's not a whole lot of separation between those four on the Eastern Conference side. I think Toronto's the best of the four, but I, I would not be surprised if any of those four end up in the NBA Finals taking on the uh, Golden State Warriors. Oh, I absolutely agree. And uh, just the way the Celtics put it on Milwaukee the other night, you know, you were high on the Celtics. I wasn't so high. Uh, but that really shocked me. Brad Stevens has done an excellent job in, in just kind of what I, I made the mistake of believing that, that Gordon Hayward was going to come back and be his normal self right away, and that's on me for believing that. That's where no, – I mean, but you kind of hit it on the head because I did not expect them to come out in Milwaukee and put it on him. Uh, I mean, that was an impressive game one. It was. It was, and I, I think that – you could see more of that from uh, from Boston. I, I've been eyeing this team, but, yeah, I made that mistake of thinking that they were just going to jump right back in, but it's taken a while to get that chemistry uh, back I together. I think everybody did. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I think so. Well, we, did we talk about that last week about the Gordon Hayward thing? I mean, I think we all were kind of expecting him to come back. So, I mean, no shame in that game. Uh, but, 
you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I was shocked what Boston did, and, and I didn't think they would come out and play that way. I'm not surprised that they won a game in this series. Obviously, I think this was, this is a six or seven game Game series. one on the Boston road, won. not to mention. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just the way that they came out and played, I mean, just kind of put a statement already on this series that, hey, we're here to play just because you're the one seed and have Giannis, we're not going to back down. Uh, came out and shocked me, really. Um, and then Jimmy Butler's performance the other night against Toronto after Toronto had such a great game one, uh, kind of put that series in perspective that Philly said, hey, we might be young, we might be inexperienced, and you have all these, you know, final seasoned veterans, uh, but we're not, we're, we're not going to go away either. So uh, I could see both of those series starting out one and one. So um, as far as, I don't know, the Western Conference goes, you know, it's still going to be the Warriors. Um, but this East, this is going to be, this is like a, a gauntlet per se in the Eastern Conference where we, you know, would have maybe guessed that in the Western Conference more so. Right, right, exactly. Uh, no, no question about that. We'll, we'll ultimately see how that is. If, if right now, Tom, you, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with entering the playoffs. If you had to take the Warriors or the field, I think we both said the Warriors. Has that opinion changed for you? Do you still like the Warriors over the field, or are you favoring the field now? Because I'm starting to, after what I saw in that first round against a Clippers team that's just not that good. I'm starting to lean towards the field, to be honest. I'm thinking about leaning leaning that way and going that direction, the field over the Warriors, just just because uh, I was not that impressed with, with what they did in that first round and with what we saw from these other teams that, that showed up here. Uh, I mean, this, this is going to be much tougher for Golden State than we anticipated. You, you like the field or, or the Warriors right now? You know, I'm starting to lean towards the field as well, Jones. Uh not so much in the Western Conference field, but in the East. In the field uh, as the a whole, right. To, yeah, if the Warriors, you know, inevitably make it to the finals, I mean, uh, there's going to be a team on the other end waiting on them that's not what they're used to. Uh, it's not LeBron on the other end. They don't, you know, they honestly, no one really knows in the East right now who they're going to get. Or for the last couple of years, they know they're going to meet LeBron in the finals and we're going to do this whole damn thing again. Uh, I mean, on one end, you got a pretty star-studded Philly team. Uh, young talent can move just as quick. Uh, a pretty good defender in Jimmy Butler, obviously. Then you're looking at, if it's not 76ers, you're looking at Toronto. Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, should have won before his injury. The Spurs had the, could have won that series. They meet him again, uh, along with a Marc Gasol and a Danny Green who's been there, and, and even a Kyle Lowry who's just waiting for, the, you know, waiting for his time to shine. Um, if not that, you're looking at a well-coached team uh, in the Celtics, Brad Stevens, and, and that whole crew. You're looking at, you know, familiarity with Kyrie Irving again. Uh, and if it's not the Celtics, you're looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, oh, I loved to, how well you rolled that off the tongue. Nicely done. Right, right. I've been practicing that. Waiting to blow the whole damn thing open. Um, so there's a lot. I think it'll come down eventually, you know, eventually to who they end up matching up with. But when we talk about picking the field, I mean, at this point, um, the Warriors are not going to be familiar with the team on the other end. So I think this is about as good a chance as ever uh, for an Eastern Conference team this year to take down the Warriors. 
I think so. I think you're absolutely right uh, as far as that goes uh, in that situation. Uh, real quick, uh, on the NBA, this is a team that's out of the playoffs now. The Oklahoma City Thunder are going to retain Billy Donovan, and I feel like it's, oh, it's time I'm to – I'm not drunk enough for this. I, I feel like it's time to hit the hello darkness, my old friend. Uh, I mean, after a decision like this. How does this happen, Tom? The old saying is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, something is clearly broke at Oklahoma City. I know Russell Westbrook is partly to blame. I know that Sam Presti is partly to blame. But you can't just sit here and act like that Billy Donovan is doing everything perfectly, that everything is going according to plan. How has this got on? How have they not made a coaching change at this point? That, that to me, is just absurd that Billy Donovan is coming back to Oklahoma City. Look at, you know, just a couple of years ago, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers fired David Blatt. Now, they wrongfully fired him, you know, for the record. But still, they fired David Blatt when they had the best record in the Eastern Conference and were just coming off an NBA Finals appearance. You know how much the Oklahoma City Thunder would love to have that right now? Would love to be in that position? And, you know, the Cavs were firing a coach back then. They're not even making it out of the first round. They haven't won a road playoff game in over three years. And Billy Donovan still has a job. I understand players, you know, win games. And a lot of that has to, you know, come down to players. But you can't, you're trying to tell me that Billy Donovan couldn't find his way to coach Oklahoma City to one road win, not even one in, in that stretch. How does he still have a job? This blows my mind. I, I'm going to go ahead right now and might as well just go ahead and pencil Oklahoma City in for a first-round exit next year at this point if, if things are not going to change like this. Yeah, and then it's not like they had to play the Warriors on the road in the last couple of years either, I mean, in the playoffs. I mean, they've had the Jazz. Uh, they've had a, a hurt Portland team who there's no reason why they shouldn't have at least got one. Um, it's mind-blowing to me that, I mean, I, if I would have had a couple beers by now, why we could go on this whole rant all over again like, what was it, last summer? Um, this could, I mean, this is, I don't know what they have up their sleeve. I don't, I mean, in my mind, they have to have something crazy up their sleeve to retain Billy Donovan. Uh, I mean, at this point, I think they could have went after and maybe got a fresh start with a new coach. I think even – I know Chris Beard just got that new big deal that made him the big, you know, the most paid in the Big 12, but uh, I'm sure some NBA team went after Chris Beard. Hell, I mean, go after anybody else. <laughs> Billy Donovan at this point, um, I think at the beginning of the season, I, I would imagine that Billy Donovan would be on a very short leaf, leash. They started off like they did this year. What was it, 0-4? Um, I could see him being the first out. Yeah. No if, ands, or buts. But uh, what's, what's frustrating about that, Tom, is that let, let's say that Billy Donovan does get fired in the first month of the season or halfway through the year. You're not in the position that you are in now to go hire anybody. You have to take somebody off your own bench and be an interim coach for the rest of the season. That's pretty much your only choice. And so why not go ahead and make that decision now while you have the whole world of basketball to choose from rather than just waiting on the inevitable at this point? Because Billy Donovan is not going to last. Even if he goes all of next year, there's no way that Billy Donovan is going to be back the year after that. 
go ahead and make this decision now and move on and and take advantage of it while you can. Yeah, you would you would think. Uh, I mean, this kind of reminds me of the David Beatty thing. You know, they brought him back one more year. We thought, okay, for sure, this is it. Uh, I mean, it kind of worked out for KU getting the coach they did, but they even let ba- David Beatty know before the season was over that we're going to move on from you and then had the whole rest of a bowl season and, you know, on to kind of figure out, you know, really in less miles. So it's mind-blowing to me, too, because we all know that Billy Donovan's not just going to make some big change, big turnaround, and get out of the first round next year. I would put almost money on that. Um, I don't know what they have up their sleeve as far as Steven Adams' contract, uh, Russell Westbrook. I mean, he said, I'm going to come back next year as a better shooter, yada, 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 all this. Sure, same, sure you are. Same old song and dance. You right. know, it's been the same old song and dance, and it's time to change the song. Um, and so if I'm an Oklahoma City fan, I am absolutely pissed. Um, I, I don't know what the reaction is going to be from the fans here on out. I don't know, uh, you know. It's, you know, Oklahoma City being a young franchise, that you know, I get that the, the main sport here in Oklahoma is football. Um, but at the same time, there's some pretty crazy Oklahoma City fans. There's some a lot of loyalty in Oklahoma City. Uh, and I'm just waiting for a somewhat of a fallout to happen with this when inevitably he gets fired in the first month of the season. Uh, or even worse, they keep him all season and miss the playoffs. I mean, you're wasting – you're wasting time. Right. <laughs> is that, that's what it's coming down to, and it's just absolutely senseless. Well, and, and, and Billy Donovan is a good coach. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a good NBA coach. This is a college coach that cannot coach at the NBA level. Simple as that. And they need to move on. He needs to go back to coaching college ball, and the rest should be history. That, that should be it. You know, Scott Brooks gets fired for missing the playoffs one year after all the success they had, but yet – you know, Billy Donovan can't win the same number of series as Scott Brooks did in that very first round, and he gets canned. To me, that that's just silly. There's no consistency there. And that, I mean, that year there was they were plagued by injuries. Oh yeah. Um, so I mean, they're giving a longer leash to Billy Donovan than what they gave to Scott Brooks. And they, I mean, granted they had Harden, KD, and Russell Westbrook when they went to the finals against an insane LeBron James team, but. Uh, still, I mean, even with the talent level now, it's not the talent level that was Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, right? Along with a caveat of other players that are d- damn good, and Serge Ibaka, and you know, even Perkins back then. Um, One more thing, I mean, by the a- way, based on loyalty that you mentioned with the Thunder fans being loyal, and, and I appreciate that, and that's great to see that you know they've sold out every game for a number of years now just the sport has been incredible as good as any franchise in the NBA but please for the love of Pete when the thunder get eliminated in the first round stop showing up at the airport people they didn't accomplish anything don't go there there is no reason to go there and you know congratulate this team on what they didn't accomplish anything stop showing up for the for all that is holy, all that is good. Stop doing that. You, you're embarrassing. You're embarrassing the city and the franchise and the fan base. You make it look like everything's all good. Oh, Billy Donovan, you want another year? No wonder he gets another year when you're showing up at the airport. You know, I mean, of course that's going to happen. So. 
please stop <laughs> showing at the airport, folks. I Thank love you. that rant. <laughs> that is so true. I wouldn't show up at the airport either. No, and if I did, I would have been like, wow, you guys suck. You guys really screwed us over. You, what, what kind of performance was that? It would have been different if there would have been a seven-game series and Lillard would have hit the same shot in game seven. Then, okay, you know, you gave it a good effort and got beat by uh, Dame time, you know. I could see that, but 4-1 series, you know, just embarrassing, uh, especially on a on a against a team that everyone was so overconfident and the Thunder just taking this series, and then for them to play like that and then show up early morning uh, or whatever time they flew into the airport to, you know, welcome them home, uh, you know, let them sulk, let them and to welcome them home. I mean, these guys are like just getting there to change planes to head back to their summer houses. They're not going there right. to, to stay. Like, come on, folks. I'll right. say this. That and, and I think maybe it's a little on the fans that there are going to have to be some games that don't sell out, and there's going to have to be some response from the fans to get a change that they want to see. I don't know. Uh, what I, mean, it, I, I don't know what it's going to take, but uh, the, the, the gooeyness and you just everything acting like it's okay is just, just silly. Now, I'll, I'll say this. How about this, Tom? No more airport visits from Thunder fans. I'm putting my hand down right now. New rule. No more airport visits until the Thunder make it to the NBA Finals again. Now, that might be 10 years. It might be 20 years. could be two years. I don't know when it is. But I I am putting a ban on airport visits involving the Oklahoma City Thunder. No more. End it right now. You heard it here first, folks. No more airport visits. We, we write the rules around here, and it's up to Oklahoma City to obey. That's, I mean, that's like rushing a court or rushing a field after winning a game you should have. Oh, I would argue it's worse. I can, okay. Because I they lost. I think this is the equivalent to rushing the field after your team loses. Yeah, like, oh, well, we scored. You know, we only lost by one. Let's still rush the field. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will say I'm a big fan of rushing the field. Uh, I will flirt with the line if it's okay or not because if I'm there and I've had a couple beers. But we'll you'd never do field. it in a loss, no, no matter what. No, never, no. Right. No. I. Could you imagine that? <laughs> oh, 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 my gosh. Is that going to be the next move? Don't, don't give them any ideas, Tom. They're going to storm the court oh, after a loss God. now. How oh, we made it out of the second round, or we made it out of the first round. Storm next year court. when Oklahoma City gets eliminated at home, just watch the fans uh, storm the court. Yeah, and congratulate all the players since they can't show up at the airport. Right. Gee, gee thanks. <laughs> Great idea, Tom. You're really, really <laughs> thinking ahead. I uh, really appreciate that one. Before we get out of here today, <laughs> time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. And, Tom, I think you may have found my dream job, literally. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, something about sleeping here. Let me pull this stuff. Um, Jones, I think you tweeted a while back before we get to the story um, about, I think it was in Kentucky, about them paying you to drink to do, like, field sobriety some sort of sobriety test um, and it was all I could do to not apply for that. Oh yes like so now we have our two dream jobs. We have a backup plan. Okay so the headline reads want to get paid to sleep? Question mark. Mattress firm is hiring summer interns 
to nap. And Jones, this article is from KCTV5. Uh, I mean, what? This is in St. St. Louis. This is not too far. Um, that that's the outlet. This Louis. is the jobs in Houston. Okay, that's still not too far. Um, St. Louis, Missouri, KMOV. Talk about a dream job. How does trading your desk and all the stress at work for a bed and some needed Z's sound? Uh, that can become reality, Tyler. If you land an internship at Mattress Firm this summer, the company will pay you to nap and test out different mattresses. This is awesome, uh, this term. I've never seen this. Instead of an internship, they call it the snooze term. Uh, we'll test beds for optimal head and foot positions on adjustable bases. If you get the internship, you'll have to spend the summer in Houston, Texas. Applications are due on Friday. For more information, click here. Uh, I'm going to click that right now and see what that's all about. Um, it's kind of a short article, but we'll see what mattressfirm.com has to say. Um, application deadline, May 3rd. Um, as far as Mattress Firm says... Are you look? Are you the snooze turn we're looking for? Pursuing a degree in catching Z's? Would you rather carry a pillowcase instead of a briefcase? This summer, you can snag the internship of your dreams, literally, as Mattress Firm's snooze turn. You'll test optimal head and foot positions on our selection of adjustable bases. For Netflix binging, Instagram stalking, uh-huh, posting, reading, typing, eating, really anything that would be, be better in, in bed. I wonder what else you could do. Wink, wink. Uh, if you think you're a slumber star, <laughs> apply now to Sleep on the Job as our in-house bed tester. Sleep your best life by joining our team. Will you answer the call for what could be the job of your dreams? Um, there's even some videos of messages. This is not even new, Tyler. There was last year's snooze turns. Um that they are just talking about it right here on the video. Um, yeah, just go to mattressfirm.com, and I'm about to, as soon as we get off here, I'm about to figure out what kind of, you know, what their job here. They said the responsibilities here, Jones, get this. Test out our beds and create written and video reviews for our social platforms and mattressfirm.com. Create regular video content about your snooze turn experience for Mattress Firm's social platforms. Host Facebook Live events to give sleep tips and share your favorite products. Capture Insta-worthy photos around bed quarters for our social platforms. Uh, this list goes on and on. Attend Mattress Firm events and capture photo and video content. Uh, this really just kind of looks like a social media internship, really. Uh, but at the same time, this looks like maybe one of the best social media internships I've ever seen. So, in essence, Tom, they're looking for the next Instagram influencer to sleep on their mattresses. That's what it's looking like. But in as tomfoolery as that is, that is still awesome. Oh, my um, gosh. If you have a passion for laying in bed and being on your phone, this sounds like the perfect one. Uh, as we speak, I'm laying in bed and talking to you on the phone. <laughs> so maybe I can apply for this. They say you want to be – they want their ideal sleep turn to be – Creative and able to edit short videos using editing software like Animoto, iMovie, Adobe Spark, Final Cut Pro. Um, so really it seems like someone who's pretty computer savvy, uh, pretty social platformy. Um, anybody who's, you know, I'm going to guess their top candidate would be a good looking sorority girl um, who is 
you know already has ten thousand followers on Instagram. And she's um, and her boyfriend edits her footage for her and everything. She can just send this over. Yeah, like takes like here, take this for my Insta pick, and they're like thirty minute photo shoot for one photo type people. Um, maybe. Maybe this will be. We're gonna. We need to post this on Twitter. Maybe we'll get the same response we did from Miracle Whip. Maybe so. And and Tom, I, I'm not a believer in you know white privilege or anything like that. But what I am a believer in is hot girl privilege. We do have that in this country. That's that's very ob- obvious. And and this seems like the type of thing to have. You know, some attractive female on a bed. You know, talking about how her experience was. I mean, what's the saying? You know, sex sells. You know, I mean, you get that image out there. That's what's going to work. So that seems like the ideal fit. Now, I'll say this. If they decide not to go with attractive female, I think that I would fit the qualifications of other than being an attractive female for this because I am very good at sleeping. Uh, One of the things about doing morning drive radio like I do each and every weekday morning on the new FM 1017 at 1320 KLWN from 6 to 8 a.m. on Monday through Friday and Saturdays from 7 to 10 is that I have learned to sleep at any point. I go to bed earlier than I have ever before, and I wake up earlier than I ever have before. But I also get a nap in about every day. Sometimes it's 20 minutes, sometimes it's two hours. But I can basically fall asleep at any time now. And so, Tom, I can edit footage, I can do the video editing, and I can sleep at any time. So they just give me a call and say, hey, try out this bed. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Or, hey, we need you to sleep in this bed overnight. I am all game. I can get this done. Tom, I am your Huckleberry. I can see it. I, I believe you can do it. I would apply, maybe. Um, just for reference, what we talked about, there are one, two, three, four, four videos um, of last year's snooze turns, and they are all girls. Um, the first one, two of them are shooting a video, and they have matching sweatshirts on that say Nap Queen. Uh, Jones, would you wear a Nap Queen um, sweatshirt and video yourself in it to be Mattress Firm's snooze turn? I would do it. Oh, absolutely. Getting paid to sleep? Yeah, of course. That's I mean, the other you're thing. legitimately just being their social media intern. That's the other thing. You get paid for this. It's a paid internship and get to live in Houston for a summer. That to me, that's a sweet gig. That, that's awesome. I think so. I'm I'm clicking apply now. Let me just see what their uh, see what their requirements. 18 years or older, creative and comfortable being in front of a camera as the internal influencer. There's that word. Eager to meet new people and talk to them about awesome things like sleep, proficient in napping, regardless of the time of day. Um, are you available in May? I mean, that was posted eight days ago. So they want you to drop your resume here and okay, just here, for now. Here's a question: When you put down your references, should you put down like people that you've slept with, or should you put down your employers, or like a mix of both? Like, I, I wonder how yeah, you should you go a about good that. Sleeper? Do you snore? Should Should Do you, you put down? Should you put down like you know your partner of some sorts, and then like they can refer like, yeah, he's. You know, he or she, whatever it is, uh, you know, they sleep comfortably. They, you know, don't snore, whatever. Like, what, who do you put down for a reference there? That is true. I mean, how would you, I mean, 
there's only so many people that know how you sleep. I mean, well, maybe. I mean, because how awkward would the call be? Let's say you do the traditional route on references and put down, you know, people you've worked with or people that know you, and they call up, let's say, your current employer, and say, "Hey, uh, how does uh, how does Martha uh, sleep at night?" Like, well, I'm. Uh, uh, I mean, like to me, that, that's where I wonder is how do you go about this with references? Yeah, that is. That's a. I think we should add mattress firm and ask them that. Uh, because I'm not exactly sure. I'm trying to hit the apply now button. Uh, it has me try to put the resume in, <laughs> and then the website crashes on me. So maybe that's just a sign. Um, but they want you to put your resume first. How do you tailor a resume to sleep? Like do you say, I get eight solid eight hours a night, or you know, send them your Apple Watch sleep. You know, your Apple Watch sleep resume. Is that? Let's see. Got my resume in there. I'm Going sure you had to now. kiss up and say how much you love Mattress Firm. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure. Mathis Brothers, you, you, screw you. We're Mattress Firm folks. This doesn't seem extensive at all. You know what I hate the most, Jones, and I'll go on record saying this. So you put your resume in because that's where the furthest I've got before I care to continue on with that. Um, you put your resume in, and then they want you to re, pretty much refill out your resume on the website. Or you put your resume in, and then they say, put your job experience in there. So you have to relist everything that's already in your resume. I'm not sure if you've had trouble with that before. I've that's done that before. That's so you. annoying. Yeah, that is something else. But, I mean, to sleep, you know, all summer... Uh, and just to update, I mean, I already update Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, I am already a pro at being on social media in my bed. Um, so to do that with an adjustable base and to, like, you know, binge watch shows on Netflix. I mean, Stranger Things is coming out this summer. You could be in an adjustable base bed in zero G on the zero G setting and watch Stranger Things. From the comfort of a mattress for a mattress. Right, I mean, or, or this season of Game of Thrones, all that. Yeah, there's this plenty yeah, of options. I mean, you could watch. binge watch every season over the summer in a nice bed. The only other internship that I've heard of uh, that comes anywhere near to this, Jones, was the craft beer one that I applied for a couple of years ago. I was just about to say, if there was an internship of anywhere you could intern, just for fun, not necessarily like for advancing your career, where you could go. Like I, I think Boulevard would pr be pretty high up there. That would be one I would I, I would think would be cool. That would be a lot of fun. Oh man, and, and just just all the stuff that would come with that, learning about the the, the beer industry and all that. That would be cool. What well, do you think of any others that would come to mind that'd be good? Maybe uh maybe like a video game intern of some sorts. Yeah, that or uh, what's another? I'm, I'm trying to think. What if for like a whole group. summer, your whole job was just to play Madden? That or you know, in somewhere, I'm I'm thinking of like on location somewhere, not necessarily a company, but anything that would involve maybe the sale of water sports equipment or you know like jet skis, boats. If you could like. I don't know, go to Florida one summer and show you the industry as far as, like, selling yachts or something like that. Could you imagine being in the boat industry? Oh, yeah. In the summer and 
taking people out on boats and kicking it in the sun rays all summer long. Or that would be maybe something uh, where you're involved, like uh, you know, w- working with with dolphins or you know, in in the water. You get in get in the water know, all I mean, the time. Where would I mean, as lame as that kind of sounds, an aquarium somewhere would be awesome. Like San Diego, not like the, the Oklahoma aquarium or something. No, yeah, not Jinx. I mean, not, that's not hating on Jinx. It's a very nice aquarium for what it is. Uh, but yeah, somewhere like you know, sunny and seventy-five for the majority of the year. Uh, somewhere like that would be pretty cool. Um, I don't know. It would top sleeping all summer though, and being laid up. I mean, you would kind of get maybe bored after a while. If they said you had to lay, I, I didn't read the terms and conditions, but if they said you had to be in bed for eight hours a day during the summertime, uh, then, you know, at the, you know, at the end of the day, if you could just go and lay in bed instead of, like, sitting at a desk for eight hours a day uh, and updating Instagram and Twitter and all the social media platforms, that might not be too bad of a gig. You'd have to probably hit the gym afterwards or do something pretty active, but... Um, can you imagine ordering like Domino's Hotspot or something like that and just getting to eat in a bed that's not yours, watching a flat screen TV all summer long? Oh, that'd be incredible. I mean, that's really something. Oh, yes. No doubt about it. Tom, we uh, got to run. I liked that Tom Fulgery story. That, that was one of our better ones, I think. Uh, got to get out of here today. Big thanks to uh, Kidra Douglas for joining us here on the uh, Jones Report today. Follow her on Twitter at uh, Kendra Melinda is uh, where you can find her there. And, of course, you can follow us at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, and uh, also uh, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, and uh, as well, as a Jones underscore report. And I will see you right back here next week. Have a great one, everybody. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week. The Jones Report. F- yeah.